Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. All right, welcome to another episode of Board Gaming with Education. Welcome back if you are a long-time listener or even a short-time listener. If you are new, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to share with you another interview episode with Tom Wetzel. He is the marketing coordinator of Thames and Cosmos. On the show, he shares with you and I a bit about his company and some educational toys and games. I ask him some questions about the educational value that toys and games can provide for both kids and adults. And we go into some conversation about how they might be adapted to the classroom too. So be sure to listen in if you have listened to our show for some time and would like to support us. You can do that in one of two ways. One, you can go to patreon.com backslash BGE games. So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash BGE games. And you can support us financially. Even a dollar helps. If we get 30 patrons, we will release some game-based resources once a month. These are unique resources created by myself. We have a couple that we can release just waiting to get those 30 patrons. You could also leave a review on any podcasting platform you listen to the show on. That really helps others find out about our show. And even better yet, I'm going to add a bonus one. You can share our show with your friends or anyone else in your network. And if you're just tuning in, check it out. Let us know what you think. You can reach out to us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. And without waiting any longer, let's get into the interview. So welcome to Board Game with Education. I'm super excited because I have another guest that was on the show pretty recently and I had a chance to meet Tom at our convention or at PAX Unplugged on our convention episode. And he is here from Thames and Cosmos. Before we hopped on this call, I looked up something fun about Tom and he is or he ran a board game review site in the past and he's still kind of active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, what made you get started with this board game review site? Uh, so first of all, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, I, I love the board game review. It was a kind of a creative outlet for me for a little while. I, I really enjoyed board gaming and I didn't see a lot of the coverage that I was getting asked questions about, which would be like, the games that you'd find at Target or Barnes and Noble, games that my sister would be picking up. So I thought it was a good opportunity to, I don't know, explore that specific market. And I also just enjoyed writing and coming up with what I thought would be helpful uh, tips for the consumer. Really, really enjoyed it. I, I don't write as much as I used to, but yeah, I'm still active on Twitter and, and, and Instagram, uh, just posting things that I'm playing and, and quick little, like, you know, recommendations for who the game would be good for what are some of the recent games you've been playing that maybe if we check out the instagram or twitter we might see oh boy i mean i i, I sometimes forget which ones i've actually posted pictures of because I'll, I'll actually go through and play a whole bunch of games and then I, I try to post them every so often so not to overwhelm someone um but i think uh games that i've been 
playing recently, aside from the themes and Cosmos games, which always get a lot of coverage from me for obvious reasons, but I played Through the Desert by Rainer Kinesia the other day. I'd never played that before. It's a classic. I uh, really enjoyed that. I played the Blockus Roll and Write game, which I was surprised was considerably more strategic than I thought it would be. It comes in a small box, really simple instructions, but when you get playing it, it's really puzzly. So enjoyed that one quite quite a bit too. And uh, I, I like puzzle games, so that that kind of you know is interesting to me. Boy, the, uh, and then I've just been playing a, a lot of uh, escape room games too, just to make sure that I'm on top of uh, what other people are doing besides us, because I, I like knowing the competition, and I also enjoy all the escape room games out there. Awesome, and I'm super excited to talk more about products and games that Thames and Cosmos has. Every time I say that, I have to hesitate to make sure pronounce the name right. So you are the marketing quarter coordinator there. What do you do exactly and what can we maybe what are some popular games right now for your company oh so one of my responsibilities is i go to all the board gaming conventions and that's why i ran into you at pax unplugged that's a actually a pretty big part of my job but it's not just the attending it's the setting up making arrangements to attend deciding which games to sell which games to promote that takes up a, a, about 20% i'd say or maybe even more of of my time the rest of the time is is split up between just going through and and finding new interesting ways to advertise for our games reaching out to media tastemakers uh making sure that they have copies of our games and and making sure that just you know people in general know about our games and then also I do some of the, I don't do any game development, but I do some of the editing. So when we get a game from a designer, I'll go through and, and read the, the directions and make sure that it's clear and concise and, and that uh, it's something that anyone can just pick up and read. We, we take a lot of pride in our, our manuals being well thought out and organized, and, and I'm definitely uh, helping with that quite a bit where I am now. And we're going to talk more about some of the games that your company does before we do do that. What was one time, maybe it's a game that you've played for from Thames and Cosmos or a different game. When did you learn something through playing a game? You know, I, 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 I thought just about this uh, briefly because you, you came <laughs> gave me the, the heads up you're going to ask me this question. And I was thinking about all the cool games that I've played that have interesting mechanics and maybe strategic things. But when I think back on uh, some of my best gaming experiences and, and, and what I like to think gaming is best at, and, and that is just like the interactions with other people. And so I remember two years ago, I was home visiting my entire family, which is a big family of 13 nephews and nieces. And I was I was playing some games with them that I thought might be a little bit more advanced than they would, that they should be able to do. But I, I noticed how they, they kind of took it in and, and made it their own. And even if they didn't know the answer to a trivia question, they, they had such a, a fun time with it. So what I received from that was just like, I was so surprised at how we as humans are able to make a game out of anything, even a game that we don't understand, kind of, I guess. That that might be a weird answer, but I, I really, I think that I was kind of shocked by my niece's specific reaction to a game that she had no no idea what was really going on at all, but was still having a blast. No, I, that's super awesome. I think that anecdote kind of I was thinking about this recently is when 
we get older and we play a board game, at least for me, I almost need to know it, all the rules before I'm ready to start like making moves in the game where kids, they're just happy to to make a move and figure out how that reacts or how that move responds to the rest of the game or what happens to their what happens to their player piece the rest of the game. They're happy to just jump in and kind of take it as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the specific game I was playing was uh, Wits and Wagers, and my one nephew, or sorry, my niece, uh, wasn't old enough to even write anything at the time. So, like, she understood the questions, but couldn't write down real answers. And when it came to guessing the right answers, she had no real ability. But it was just a matter of, like, you know, a fun guessing game for her. She was just picking colors instead of numbers. And so, yeah, and, and again, like, we would let her know if she won or she lost and she just had a ball. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really fun. So how did you first get into board games? So I maybe a little bit later than, than some of your listeners, but I started playing board games with a friend of mine who had just come back from Germany and picked up a game of Settlers of Catan, which at the time had been out for about 10 years. So this was 2006 about, so 10 plus years. Anyway, he, he bought a copy of that and brought it back. And he's like, I want to learn German. So I brought back this German board game. And we started playing it and had such a good time. And uh, eventually we bought an English copy because <laughs> we wanted to invite friends over to play with us. And although there isn't much language in it, we wanted to just make sure we knew it right before we started teaching other people. So that, that kind of got the ball r- rolling for me. And shortly after that, I, I started picking up all the the classic games that I saw reviewed on YouTube, which I was relying very heavily on for recommendations at first because none of my friends had the collections that um, they do now. And so I started playing Carcassonne and El Grande and all these other like older games now. But that's what really got me into it because I like those I'm not going to say new games don't have this, but I, I really like the the bare bones strategy uh, Euro games that used to be almost all that Board Game Geek had and still has. So that, that's my that's my long story short. That's awesome. I I love hearing about because I got into the board game hobby. I guess kind of recently, I would say more heavily in 2016. I kind of revisited. Like hobby in like 2013, 2014, but didn't really like really start getting into the hobby till 2016. And uh, to me, it's really unique and interesting to hear about the board game kind of review culture back then because it was very YouTube centered, where now you have all the Facebook groups. I mean, Board Game Geek has always been around, right? But the YouTube videos have just probably improved a lot. I've seen some older ones. So, oh, yeah. I, I remember when I was trying to learn, what was, oh, uh, Turns and Taxis is an older game. And there were no tutorials online except this one by uh, Scott Math- Matheson. Is that his name? And he does a great job. The video quality um, is just so poor. And that's not his fault. It's just technology, right? But I, I look back at that every once in a while and it's like, wow, the board game review world, like, the quality of like the dice tower shut up and sit down and game boy geek and all these people. It's just like incredible. It's professional now. Right. Right. It's, it's crazy how, how the technology has improved in it, how it's, I mean, anybody can get their hands on it. I I wouldn't say anybody, but it's a lot 
easier accessible now. So Thames and Cosmos, you do toys and games. Is that right? What is, what is the company about? Like what are their main products or what are they usually or sells the most, I guess? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of people who know the Cosmos games know them by Cosmos games because in Germany, that's the company's name and they've been publishing games in the States through other publishers like Rio Grande and uh, Z-Man for years and years. So Cosmos is kind of the, the name that a lot of people know, but Cosmos in Germany also does science toys and kits. It's lesser known over in the States just because that didn't get picked up like the board games did. Fast forward to 16 years ago when, when my, uh, my boss, his, his mom was running uh, a museum in Connecticut and the, uh, the gift store well, I'm, I'm getting a little too long-winded here, but essentially the science toys are what started Thames and Cosmos in the United States. And there are science toys in that they have a toy quality to them, so they're supposed to be fun, but they're science in that they're supposed to teach the user at least one, and in most cases, many principles that are science-related. Okay, so then the games are coming to the company at a later like originally it was science kits and now games is a different or I guess a smaller portion of the company. It is uh, significantly, actually. I would say that at this point, it's probably 90% of the business is the science toys and 10% of the business is the games. And, and the game percentage is going up because games in general are getting more popular. The science toys are still the, 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 the biggest item for us. And so in general, what kind of games does Cosmos make? So Cosmos, they generally make very European standard kind of games. Like, perfect example, Cosmos was the original publisher for Catan, Settlers of Catan at the time. And so they have the rights to that in German. So that kind of game, the good quality pieces, really good gameplay, but theme is, is usually a little bit it's not, it's not always the strongest point, right? Uh, it's all about the, the game and the strategy and the puzzle and the component qualities and things like that, uh, which they still do, I think, the best job in the business at those kinds of games. Uh, and, and we, we take on those games here. So in essence, I'm saying that I think we also have the best games in that category, the, the family educational kind of category. Okay. So you also do some different like educational games too i know we talked about one dimension at pax unplugged where you also have a lesson plan for teachers in to incorporate it into the classroom is that is something that cosmos is pretty known for as well i'm not sure how much the cosmos when i say cosmos i'm talking about the the german side of the company i'm not sure how much they get involved with the specific lesson plans like we do here in the states and partially because I know that for us, Dimension has done really well for us here in the States. And in Germany, they've, I believe they've discontinued that game. Whereas for us, and partially because of the educational aspect and, and the, game, the lesson plan that we have online, I think that game has done really well for us. So I don't think that they get into the educational side of board games as much as we do, although I might get corrected on this tomorrow when I get into work. <laughs> okay, so you think that Dimension has done well maybe because of the component, the educational component that is, I guess, 
it's part of the game, but then it's also magnified with that lesson plan and shown to teachers how they can use it in class. Absolutely. I've taken quite a few emails and phone calls from teachers who said that they've lost one of the spheres or one of the point counters or something from the game. So I know that the teachers are using it in their classrooms. And sometimes it's classrooms and sometimes it's homeschoolers. We, we, we get a lot of homeschool teachers as well. But I know that those are being used by quite a few people because I've taken those calls. Okay. Can you give us maybe some other examples of games that might be used in education or might be really great for homeschool? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest answer to that is Ubongo because we also have a lesson plan on our website for that game. And Ubongo, if you were to take a look at it, it almost seems like it's too easy. But the lesson plan is thoughtful and, and, and well done. It's also puzzly, but it's a little bit more two-dimensional instead of dim- dimension, which is three-dimensional. And within the Ubongo world, there's a couple games. There's Ubongo, Ubongo Fun Size, and Ubongo Extreme Fun Size. Each of those are going to give the, the users a little bit different puzzle. And I won't get into too much of the specifics of, of how the game actually plays, but uh, you'll if you if you take a look at it, look at it online. You, you can see like the the lessons it's teaching kids spatial recognition, and I mean that's obviously a, a big one in this game because it is these tile pieces that you're trying to fit in a puzzle, but also just like the ability to deduce uh, the the different pieces that you can use in certain puzzles. The, the lessons I think are, are pretty pretty strong in that one as well. But I think even even some of our less obvious games are still very good teaching tools. For instance, we have this one game called Harry Hopper, and it's basically a, a grasshopper that you're flicking and trying to knock over wooden blades of grass. And that's just dexterity, which doesn't seem like a lot of education necessarily, but there's always the social skills that you get because this game is played with other people. So you're going to have to learn how to win and how to lose. These are important lessons for kids. Uh, you're also going to have to learn how to potentially play on teams with other kids. So working together, all those lessons, I think, are are not small uh, when it comes to kids, especially depending on the age range you're, you're looking at. Yeah, I think that is a huge thing that games provide and something that I've talked about on other podcasts I don't think I've mentioned on my own yet is how we understand morality as younger as we grow up and how games can kind of help us navigate that structure where as when we're younger we kind of see morality as this like divine being that controls the universe and we we can't do anything about it but as we play games we kind of learn oh wait we actually make up these rules and we're responsible for making sure we play by the rules and making sure that everyone's enjoying themselves as they play the game too. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think about this quite a bit too, because again, I've, I have a lot of nephews and nieces and I'll, I'll play games with them. And, and sometimes with like my older nephews, I, I brought out the social deduction games. Now those are great at teaching you how to interact with other people, but it potentially teaches kids to lie, right? Because in a social deduction game, you take on the role of a character who may or may not want to tell the truth in a certain situation. And that's a little bit tougher. I don't recommend that for younger kids, but I've noticed, at least with my teenage nephews, that when you give them the ability to lie, 
it's really funny. You can tell some of them are good at it and some of them are bad at it. Some of them are good at reading other people and some of them aren't good at reading other people. And I hate to say that that's like a good lesson to learn, but I do think in, in some situations, like the ability to like know when you can, like, like you're saying, you're, we're constructing these rules, right? And, and sometimes these rules are going to be a little bit different. It's not just like you can only move one space. Sometimes the rule is you don't want to get caught and you'll do anything, including lying to your uncle not to get caught. It's, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky lesson, right? But I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting one for sure. Right. Yeah. I, I love, I love social deduction games. I play it, like to play it with my students as much as possible. One thing, one game or a game series, I guess, that you guys have are exit the game. And the one thing that I love to do is when I taught in Taiwan, I taught ESL students and during English language corner and another time where I had uh, extra time in class where we kind of just had some extra free time because we had I, we had class on Christmas Day and we had to reschedule another class. So it was just like a bonus class almost. So we did a escape room during that class too. So you have the ex- exit the game series and adventure games. How are those different? Yeah, thank you for bringing those up. I mean, when we're talking about the success of Cosmos or Thames and Cosmos, exit games have been the most successful game so yeah, just as a like I don't know background on on this and what they are, exit the game is an escape room game in a box. Escape room games, which most people by now have heard of, but it's basically a bunch of riddles that you need to solve to escape a room. Now, in in the physical escape rooms that you go to, they typically don't actually lock you in the room. So it's again, it's a a rule that you and your friends have decided to follow you. Imagine that the door is locked, so you have to solve all these riddles that will eventually lead you out of the room. And in Exit the Game, you have to create uh, in your imagination even more rules because you're not even in this room. You're imagining you're in a room, but in, in, and you're using uh, the components that come in the box, like booklets, pictures, small items, things like that, that all come in the box. You're using those to solve riddles. There's usually a little bit of an introduction, and uh, if you solve, in most cases, I think it's 10 riddles, and boy, some of them can be really tricky, but all of them have like stand-up moments that are fantastic, like super clever riddles. They're, they're, they're genius. So that's, that's what the escape uh, exit of the game is. And then the adventure games, now, I, I consider them to be in the same family, but they're not the same game. And the difference is that Exit the game, the escape room game, is a lot of riddles with a little bit of storyline. Whereas the adventure game series is a lot of story with a little bit of riddle. And some of those riddles are also very clever. But the focus of the adventure games is the story. And I like to tell people that, depending on who I'm talking to, it's like role player light. Because you can take on the role of a character, but you don't have to come up with any stats, right? You don't have to uh, roll for initiative or anything like that. There's no none of the hardcore role player mechanics involved. It's all story and fun. It's super easy to pick up play. Uh, I, I played it with my brothers over the holiday, and they're big football fans and baseball fans and uh, wouldn't think of 
trying Dungeons and Dragons, but I got them to play this and they were really excited about it and got really into it because I mean, it's set, one of them is set in a dungeon and that's the one we played. And I feel like I tricked them, but I did a really good job of tricking them because they had a really good time. So, but yeah, it's, it's all about the story. And, and again, some riddles and, and, and those aren't to be overlooked because they can be tough too. But this, the stories are so fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I haven't had a chance to play the adventure, adventure game series. I've played a couple of the exit games, but I, I can see it having some potential in the English language classroom as well. I'm not sure about, I mean, I'm, I know it's definitely a great learning opportunity for students, but I wonder if it would apply to other content areas. I think you would have to develop different activities around playing the game, but I don't know. I haven't played, so I'm not sure. I'll have to check it out. One cool thing about it, and I am interested in, in the, the uh, foreign language exit, uh, the game experience, but one thing that's interesting about the adventure games that I failed to mention is that they come with a booklet that you read the story out of. And it's almost like a choose your own adventure in that you read different passages at different times, depending on the decisions you make, but you can also download an app that will read it to you. So I'm not sure if, I mean, I think having the book and the app at the same time might be very interesting for uh, someone who's, you know, uh, English as a second language, because Again, like it's really well written. The the nothing is too difficult. I, I definitely think it could be a good learning experience. Right. I I mean, with the app, it can definitely help with like listening comprehension without using the booklet. But again, I'm not sure how that would work because I haven't used it. What something that I have done is I've done Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective in my university class. I I use that as the gamification of the course and. Our whole course was themed around solving different crimes as a detective, as trying to be a better detective than Sherlock Holmes. And what I had to do, though, is take the like the different clues and rewrite them into a more or less complex language. So I changed some of the vocabulary, changed some of the grammar structures, so it was easier to read. And that way, they worked on like reading comprehension at a level that they can understand. So I think. In that case, it works really well. I don't know if that's something that could work for adventure games, but it's probably something like you work through from what it sounds like, right? You go through it and you kind of choose which path you go on. Yeah, and actually, I, I feel like it's funny that you bring up Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective because the first time I played uh, the adventure games, I got some of that same feeling, but it's not nearly as difficult. And it was actually written by... So the game developers were Matthew Dunstan and Phil Walker Harding, who are both English speakers, which is great. So it, it doesn't have the, the chunky translated language, I think, that, that Sherlock Consultant Detective had. And I, I definitely think that although sometimes the very specific words can be important in solving riddles, none of the language is particularly difficult. Right. But I think that that actually might add to a bit of more recognition of language as someone reading it might have to pay attention to those keywords and i think as a language learner that's really important to not like pass over some of that stuff and yeah i think i think it might work i'll have to check it out and see see if it's something that we can do i would love to get your uh, input on that because if that does work out well i mean that would be fantastic yeah definitely i'll i will definitely keep you posted so 
as a company, are there any challenges you face when designing games for education or for learning? A million challenges, right? Because now our toys, our science kits, those are the ones that are exclusively educational. They're intended to be educational. Whereas the games, they are by nature educational. And sometimes we throw the educational uh, lessons in there as well. But the, the, the toys, now the, the, the biggest challenge is always making a toy that is both fun and educational. And that can be difficult because it's often, in, in, in some kids' minds, two different worlds. Uh, when they're playing with something, they're not thinking about science specifically. We want to make sure we want to try and bridge that gap. And, and some of the ways that we do that is with things that are super popular, right? Like perfect example is we saw a huge trend a few years ago that rainbows and unicorns and clouds and things like that, colorful things like that were, were getting super popular. And we're like, well, there's no science in that because there's, you know, unicorns aren't really scientific. Now, rainbows are, but what we ended up doing, and it was genius, is we made a gummy candy kit where you you take these food chemicals, you mix them together to make these gummies. And in doing that, you also read through this manual, which explains what's actually happening. Why does this particular solution acquire that? texture whereas you know pudding does this or cement does this and so i don't know i'm always impressed with our development team when they come up with these crazy ideas because catching the attention of kids is sometimes tough especially when it comes to science and and i think we do a really good job that one and and the gumball physics kit it's like a it's like those old marble runner kits but with gumballs instead kids just go crazy for it and it's great because we're teaching them physics at the same time. Right. That's. I mean, that's awesome. You you guys are able to capitalize on that that rainbow fat. I know I have a cousin that she's obsessed with unicorns. So all the kids are right now. At least it seems that way. All right, Tom. So before we go into the final segment, do you have any last words of advice for maybe like an educator, teacher, a parent, or anyone going out? looking for like a game or a kit to purchase for their kid or for their classroom, anything to like look out for or suggestions if they go on to Thames and Cosmos, anything that you might send them in the direction towards? I get questions like this all the time because of the, the field that I'm in with the science kits and the board games. And people are always like, oh, you've got these great science kits. And I'm trying to tell people, well, you should try these board games too because I'm a huge advocate for the, the board games that we sell. And when it comes to teachers, like it depends on what you're teaching, right? Like what you're teaching and, and who you're teaching to, because I think that when it comes to younger kids, I think that the toy quality of anything, whether it be a game or a toy, is super important at capturing their attention. And that's why something like Dimension, which has these nice large sphere pieces that you get to handle and manipulate and construct does so well. At least that's why I think it's doing well. It's the, the toy quality of it. Whereas when you get into older teenagers or even 20, 30 year olds uh, like myself, I get asked all the time, like, oh, like which exit the game should I do? It's like, do the one that's uh, interesting to you. And sometimes they're like, oh, well, 
I like the Egyptian theme, and but my husband or my wife would probably like this one. I'm like, do the one that you're interested in because people are going to see that excitement and they're going to also like latch onto it. You're like, I really like this, so I'm going to teach it to you. And that, that usually works pretty well, at least in my experience. Oh, yeah, that's definitely some good advice. The excitement is <laughs> very catchy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so So many uh, teachers now do such a, a great job at bringing board games into their classroom because they're interested in them and they see the, the quality and the, uh, the potential with them. I don't think that it's because board games are necessarily better, although sometimes I, sometimes I think they are, but I, I think it's just the, the general excitement that the teachers can have for it, which is so much more valuable than any kind of quality or uh, rule book that you can come up with. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that for sure. So before, or no, we are moving into our final segment <laughs> question or a final segment. And this is a fast lightning round. Thumbs up, thumbs down. So I will give you a statement and you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up for you like it, thumbs down you don't like it and a brief reason why. There's no in the middle thumbs for this. <laughs> All right, that sounds tricky, but I'm, I'm willing to give it a try. All right, the first one, dexterity games. Oh, thumbs up, way up. Again, uh, I mean, seeing kids learning how to win and lose is such a, a I don't know, a positive thing for me. Uh, and I, I think it, it should be for most people. And also, I just like them. <laughs> <laughs> Couch co-op video games couch co-op video games i mean they're not for me i don't play them but yeah so that's it's a harder i'm going to say it's a thumbs down for me but i don't think it's necessarily bad it's just not for me right and digital based board games Ooh, this is this is a tough one for me if you'd asked me if you'd asked me like five years ago i would have given you a, a thumbs down but i'm gonna give you a thumbs up now just because uh, i've seen it done really well and i think that although i still prefer the non-digital i like being away from my phone idea um, i've seen some really good implementations that don't overshadow the human interaction that you could still get with a board game yeah they've, they've definitely gotten better over the last few years absolutely board game movies Ooh, I, I'm going to say thumbs up just because Clue is great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually watched Game Night. It was a comedy, like a pretty off the wall comedy. It was pretty good. I was surprised. I saw that coming out and I never watched it. I'm glad to hear that you liked it. I'll, I'll, give, it a, I'll give it a try. It wasn't terrible. It looked, like, it looked terrible in the trailer, but then I actually watched it. I was like, wow, I, I was entertained. All right. It's got Michael Bateman in it, right? He's, he's good. Yeah, he is good. Yep. Yeah. And the last one, and feel free to give us some recommendations, board game podcasts. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, thumbs up for that. I I don't listen to as many as I used to. It's funny, now that I'm working in the industry, I have less time to actually listen to, to podcasts. But the first one for me was the Dice Tower, because at the time they were one of few at least that were on my radar. So I, I really like them. I also really like Shut Up and Sit Down. I also like, oh my gosh, there's so many of them. 
that I wish that I had time uh, to, to listen to them all. Yeah, but um, those are the two that I almost always make it time to listen to. There's other ones that I listen to, but don't always get every single episode in. Huge thumbs up, though. I love I love podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, it is it is hard. It's There's a lot of great ones out there, and you only have so much time in the week. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the one thing that I liked about the Dice Tower, the one thing I liked about them is that they used to bring in a whole bunch of other people. So it was almost like listening to five different podcasts at the same time like different segments with yeah they stopped doing that a little while ago and they still do a great job but i, I love that i love getting a different voice every once in a while right yeah that i mean long maybe long form podcast i haven't listened to a lot of their stuff i've i've kind of listened to a few episodes of their stuff here and there but a lot of youtube i think i watch more of their youtube stuff yeah yeah their, their youtube stuff is, is really good they, they just cover everything which is incredible you know there's so many blogs out there too that do such a good job that i don't want to forget them there's some some great blogs out there but anyway all right tom thank you again for coming on the show i know i learned a lot about games and cosmos and different educational games and some tips that you gave us uh if anyone wanted to reach out to you where could they find you so you can reach me if you email contact at things and cosmos now if you go on the webpage, you'll find a section where you can kind of grab that email address but it's just contact at fames and cosmos all spelled out dot com that's that's the email address that i manage and so i get lots of great questions and requests and i i love it because the the, the fun things that people come up with like sometimes we'll get great comments on like how much they love our kits and sometimes we'll get comments from people saying they found a new way to to do something so please i mean even if you're just a teacher uh, and you're like i'm interested in, in learning more about your product just give me an email i'd be happy to, to chat awesome and can we expect any new exciting projects from thames and cosmos we have some great stuff so we just released our 2020 catalog and one of the coolest things that we're doing this next year is something that I think it, it stretches the, the, the science theme, uh, the science kind of overarching theme of our company a little bit. And that's it's something called Creato. And it's a, it's more of a crafting kit, but the cool thing is it's also a construction kit. So you're learning how to follow directions in a manual. And, but the things you come up with are so cool looking. Definitely check it out. There are these like flexible plasticky pieces that interlocked with each other and you can make this giant shark or this elephant or a moose or a cat and all, they all light up too. So it's, I'm, I'm very excited about it. That sounds super cool. Uh, and we could find that maybe on the site here soon or. Yeah. Yeah. You should be able to find it on the Thames and Cosmos site. I think it should be up there now. It should be. If it's not, it will be very soon because that's coming out the beginning of 2020. So within the next month, I think. Awesome. Well, definitely. I'll check that out too. So again, Tom, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and thank you for your time. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for letting me come on the show and, and thank you for having this kind of show. I think it's important and I'm, I'm glad to see that you're, you're doing it. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. 
as always, thank you again for listening to the show. Before you go, please consider supporting our show. Either go to patreon.com backslash BGE Games. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash BGE Games. Or please leave us a review on the podcasting platform that you listen to this show on. And until next time. Thank you for listening in this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.